Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Web Rush. This week, our topic is all about view and basically how we can get into careers in development as well. Uh, and today, I'm John Papa, along with my co-hosts, Ward Bell and Dan Wallane. How are you both doing? Smashing. Amazing. Who are you smashing, Ward? <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I'm just looking for a different adjective for a change. A different adjective. Delightful. I'm delightful, John. You're delightful and smashing. Ward, it sounds like that you have just had a really good day. You seem to be in the pre-show. You're <laughs> He's a little more chipper. Chippier. Yeah. There's a yes. little more well, humor. Chipper. Well, you know, I've just been waiting through old MVCC Sharp. I've had blood drawn. And then in the green room, I found myself very envious of you, John, because my name is just not connected the way yours is. I, I wished my mother had named me after a major food chain, you know, like Booger <laughs> King or or Philly Cheese Dog or or like John Papa, because then somebody would DM me and say, where's my sauce? As you were uh, talking about earlier. So um, any clue, any any notes anybody has here on how I can legally change my name? Uh, I'm all in. I think Chili Cheese, Philly Cheese Dog should be your new name. And, and we should all just start calling you that. <laughs> so if you're listening to the show right now, please reach out on Twitter and let Ward know that you're willing to call him Philly Cheese Dog from now on. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? You on board with this? Oh, I'm, I'm always on board with new names for Ward. All right. <laughs> well, you need a new one, too. Nobody can pronounce yours. That is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find another fast food chain, maybe. You do. That could work. Maybe a, a chicken option or something like that. I don't it could know. be that, or it could be Captain Long Silver or whatever the, one of those places is. <laughs> Long Silver. <laughs> Where's my squid, Dan? Where's my... <laughs> Okay, oh let's my. introduce our guest. I'm sure she has a cute food chain that she would like to be renamed after. And we want to welcome to the show, Ari Clark. How are you doing, Ari? I am lovely. See, I tried to also use <gasps> a different adjective, nice. right? Yeah. Nice. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you out there who want to know a little bit more about Ari, Ari is the co-host of the podcast, Enjoy the View, thus our topic today, and a front engineer, front end engineer at SIFT, a healthcare analytics startup. And you can find her up on Twitter at Gloomy Loomy. And we'll put all these links, including um, links to the podcast and Twitter in our show notes. So please check those out. Welcome to the show. And so tell us a little bit about your podcast before we get into the view topic. So sort of uh, crazy how that even I even got involved in that. So I was at ViewConf in Tampa in 2019, which uh, I believe, John Papa, you were there as well. Uh, I believe you were a speaker that year. Um, so I, uh, I was walking to the, uh, was it, uh, the reception after the first day and I hear a familiar voice, uh, the voice of Chris Fritz, who was at that time on a podcast about view. And so I decided to strike up a conversation with him. And next thing I know, he invites me on the podcast and then, Shortly after that, I'm invited to be a regular panelist, and things were going great. But then we decided to part ways with that particular podcast network. We didn't feel that our values aligned with them. We'll just leave it at that. And then we decided to start our own, Enjoy the View. So um, original members were myself, Chris Fritz, Ben Hong, and Elizabeth Fine. We now have two. I'm <laughs> I'm the last standing original <laughs> uh, panelist, but... Uh, we also have Tessa and Alex Revere now, and that is a weekly podcast that we do. Um, we don't always stick strictly to view topics, but generally like things that as a developer impact your life. Well, we love that you're coming on here and I'm, I'm checking out your episodes page here as well. We don't always stick to strict web topics either, although uh, we originally started out with JavaScript. A lot of us, a lot of folks who may have been longtime listeners know we start with Real Talk JavaScript as our name. 
one of the reasons we switched to, to WebRush is because we kept on finding ourselves thinking more about things like HTML and CSS and just how do you host web projects? And so I can definitely feel you there. Yeah, as a front-end developer, it's just, <laughs> there's so many things. <laughs> yes. And Chris Fritz is an old friend of our, of our show here too. Chris was one of our first guests that we had on to the show. Wow. It's been a oh. long time. I need to invite Chris back on. I think it's been about two years. Chris, long? we still yeah, love you. I'm not sure he's doing a lot of development these days. I think he's just enjoying life. So I'm very happy for him on that front. Good for him. <laughs> right? That's great. What, what, is the sec- what is the secret to that, to just enjoying life and not having to do much? I, I'm still looking for that. <laughs> uh, 42, my secret. I think. 42, 42. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Ah. What's my your secret, secret Ari? What's your secret? Yeah, no, my secret is I don't have side projects. <laughs> It's a good secret. I I know. So you have a strange Twitter handle. What was that again? And how did that come to be? Sure. Uh, Gloomy Loomy. So before I was a web developer, I worked at a quilt shop. And turns out you can't make a lot of money working at a quilt shop. So in the evenings, I would stream on Twitch. Originally... It came from a joke someone made about my uh, World of Warcraft character's name, which was Luminoir, uh, Lumi for short. And uh, I sometimes have a tendency to tell uh, sad stories, I guess. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So someday, uh, one day, someone made the joke. Uh, wow, gloomy, Lumi, and it, it just kind of stuck. <laughs> It, right. These are sad stories in World of Warcraft, or just oh no, general? just like about my life. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All I right, this could like be a three hanky show. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will still, I will steer clear. I'm weeping that. already. <laughs> oh my! So today, today's topics. Oh, we don't want to make Word cry. Uh, that's just not good. Word is one of the happiest people I know. So on today's show, we wanted to talk about view and some career topics. Um, specifically, we we're going to get into work-life balance. And I thought instead of starting with the tech today, why don't we start with more the the career side of things? And uh, I know when you and I talked offline, Ari, you were talking about how you don't know need to know it all, and um, and you spent most of your career, I think, as you said, as a front end dev uh, at a company. Why don't you lead us into you know how do you handle work-life balance, and what should our listeners know. Yeah, I know, um, especially if you're on dev Twitter, there's very much this sort of hustle culture and everybody seems to be doing everything and everyone seems to know everything and have time to explore every new technology. Though I think that that's more appearances than reality. Though that's my theory. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. (laughs) That's right for me. (laughs) Good, good. See, um, And I know that it's really easy to fall into that trap of thinking that you need to know everything and do everything and have five side projects and 20 unused domains. Um, I'm the proud owner of zero domains. I don't even have my own website. I don't. Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) But I have found that just in time learning is the best way to approach everything. I I'm on dev Twitter because I like to have some idea what's going on, you know, have some awareness of new technologies that are coming out and like vaguely what people use it for. But then when I run into a problem, I'm like, oh, I remember hearing about this one thing. I'll look into that. Nope, that's not it. I remember this other thing. Nope, that's not it. Um, So, yeah, I uh, am a firm believer in uh, breadth versus depth of knowledge. And yes, and not feeling the pressure to to be like the the new hotness, the the 10x dev, because those exist. <laughs> so, John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks: Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. 
Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue. But they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. I want to make sure our audience, if for some of them may not be on Twitter and some of them, you know, in some days I'm kind of jealous of that, <laughs> to be honest. It seems like Twitter can get pretty, uh, I love it, but there's days where I'm like, you know what, I just need to get away from social media. Um, you mentioned a couple of things here. I think some folks may want to learn more about like the 10X developer, that whole concept. <laughs> Uh, in general, I think we look at that as a negative, right? I mean, can you explain to folks what do. that is? Uh, 10X developer is um, is that developer who never sleeps, uh, works extremely long hours, um, is uh, a rock star, a ninja, <laughs> you know, all those fun adjectives that we some people seem to think are good, but really aren't. Supposedly um, 10 times better and faster yes. than everybody else, that kind of thing? Yes. Is that it? Yes. Uh, but there's also this tendency to associate it with someone who works um, by themselves all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think leads to the best um, product personally. Are you more into like a pair programming or just having code reviews or how do you like to work? I like to bounce my ideas off of people at, the, at a minimum because uh, a lot of times <laughs> I'll get kind of wrapped up in my head about um, what my approach is going to be. And then I start to lose track of what my approach is. And so I find that just talking to someone even before I start helps me actually sort out my thoughts. Because <laughs> uh, it may not be apparent or it may be super apparent, but I have ADHD. Um, I was diagnosed very young. So something I've um, tried to learn to cope with some days easier than others. But uh but at the same time, I have spent most of my career as the only front-end dev, which makes it hard to do any pair programming, really, <laughs> because there's no one else. That's a good point, because like a lot of folks at companies at least have one or maybe a group of people they can bounce because they do the same kind yeah. of things after. At, at your company now, you're still the only front-end dev there working on it? Yes, uh, though at least now I am with devs who have some front-end experience. Um, so that is really helpful. So they at least, you know, have some idea what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, because prior to me joining, uh, non-front-end devs had to pretend to be front-end devs. <laughs> and they're very glad that they no longer have to do that. So, so for somebody who's in a, in a similar situation, Ari, uh, now that you've sort of taken on this public persona and things like that, is there um, something that you could recommend that somebody do in order to be able to reach out across um, to get that kind of support if they can't find it in their own company? Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I mean, this is going to be controversial, but Twitter, I know. So for <laughs> for better or worse, you can find people, um, you can find a community of developers who are at least interested in the same things you are. Like I have tons of friends on Twitter that I've never met in real life, but I, I definitely feel like they're my friends and I know them. Um, and yeah, like I more than once, like I've been struggling with an issue and you're going to ask me for specifics, but I don't have any. Um, and I've just like, you know, posted on Twitter, like, hey, this is the problem I'm running into. Any suggestions? And occasionally no one comes through, but most of the time someone comes through. Oh, I do actually. I have one specific example now. If you have, and I'd love to hear uh, it. I couldn't figure out why my tool tips. I couldn't figure out why my tooltips weren't showing up uh, where they were supposed to. Uh, so I made a small reproduction, um, posted it on Twitter, and within half an hour, someone was like, here, change this CSS property. And I was like, yay, thank you. <laughs> you know, you're you're really right. It is so, so much of the development experience is isolated. And you were saying it's controversial that, you know, Twitter is such a bad, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's um, you, you just have to learn how to filter it, right? And Very true. there are monsters out there, but you've got your friendship network and then you can DM them and, sh- and share it with anybody about anything. 
Yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah, I would say um, being able to network as a developer has helped my career so much. And sometimes that's literally just not being afraid to talk to someone who's like, quote unquote, dev famous, which is such a loaded term. <laughs> you know, my my wife, Ari, uh, gosh, this is probably 15 years ago, used to daily tell me because I'm not really or wasn't really into the networking back then. I'm like, ah, I don't need it. I, I have plenty of gigs. I'm, I'm good. And she always used to tell me, it's like, you really need to do it. And it's unfortunate I didn't listen back then. You know, now I get it. And what you're now saying you is listen. so true. It, it, now you listen, Dan? No, well, let me, I want to hear this. Well, me. yeah, actually, Wait, that, that might not have come across. I'm going to call Dan's point. wife right now. Dan's wife needs to dial in. <laughs> <laughs> Haiti, yeah, it's John. Dan is listening to you. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's funny how from a business standpoint and uh, Ward, you know, you, you run your own show and John, you've done that too in the past. It's funny how key that really is. And even if you're an introvert, which I, I kind of am, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, it depends on the day. I still think uh, doing what you're saying, you know, making some friends on social media, getting to know them well enough that you can at least DM. And then maybe meeting up in person at a meetup or at a conference or something like that. It's, it's actually a big deal because like, you know, John's in Florida, uh, Ward's over in San Francisco, I'm in Arizona, but we still bounce ideas off each other a fair amount of time. It's a big deal to be able to do that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they think of networking, they think of it as just a tool for getting a job or like your next job. But uh, to be <laughs> to be fair, uh, never really got a job through that. But you know, while you're actually in your current job, you still need support and um, people to talk to and people to relate with uh, whatever <laughs> ordeal you happen to be experiencing at work. Because, um, you know, sometimes you need someone just to be like, listen, uh, as you complain about having to wait for 20 minutes in between two line changes for the build to complete so you can actually verify the change for, you know, six hours out of your day because that's super fun. <laughs> and that, you know, uh, a lot of us don't have spouses that can necessarily relate. <laughs> but yeah. Sometimes yeah, you just need just sure. somebody to be like, I get it. That that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> My wife has never said that once. I can't tell you how many times I sat down at dinner and told my wife how my build went today with my application. And she just was like, wow, that's really interesting. Um, I I tell, I tell my husband anyway, but he He at least understands by my tone, whether it was good or bad. (laughs) And you know, that's all that really matters. I think it's fantastic. I think I can't imagine what it's like to be married to a developer in your own exact field that you would, it would never stop. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure I would enjoy that particularly. No. So I always drew a bright circle around that, and no relationships in technology. That's yeah. As you know, being good friends with Ward, I know how much he likes to yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. So I can't imagine if um, we were partners, what would happen there. So, <laughs> uh, John, just think of the long nights we'd have together. <laughs> Luckily, Ward, you're you're pretty tame with me. He'll he'll nicely beat around the bush with me, um, you know, and then tell me I'm wrong. But he's always right, so I, I listen. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, I wish I could disagree with you guys. True, exactly. <laughs> so now, Ari, you know what we have to deal with uh, in our podcast every week. But yes, yes. You mentioned something else in the show notes that I wanted to uh, bring up is this term imposter syndrome, which. Generally, I think refers to when I hear it, I think of that feeling that most of us get. I know I do at times where you feel like you're just not good enough or, you know, you're in a room, even if it's a virtual room on the Internet of a bunch of people who all are miles ahead of where you are and you're just going through all that self-doubt. Yes. Does is that what you're referring to? Oh, yes. How does that how does that come into play for for you when you because you got into this career and. Um, took on this role, like, for example, at your job doing Vue. Um, yeah. Does this happen to you? What do you do to combat? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know that I always successfully combat it for myself. But um, one thing that I try to be very um, transparent with, like on the podcast, is that I I don't have side projects. Like, it's a running thing. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't have those. <laughs> um, and yeah, just try to 
I try to be as transparent about where I'm at in my career and how I don't always have the answers and that uh, I, I mess things up somewhat frequently. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, people just being honest about where they're at, I think helps other people. Um, though I did one day have this epiphany while I was listening to um, Soft Skills Engineering, uh, which is actually one of my favorite podcasts. I think uh, some of you may know some of the hosts, um, <clears throat> but uh, it, the topic was imposter syndrome. And I, I realized that imposter syndrome really at its root comes from this tendency to compare ourselves to others. And and we tend to focus on the areas that somebody else shines and we don't necessarily, or at least that's our perception. Um, but then I realized that Generally, when someone is building a team, they're not trying to find a bunch of people who are all good at the same thing. Generally, when you're building a team, you're trying to find people with different strengths to fill in the gaps of what you don't have and what, you know, one person on the team is good at one thing, but another person on the team is good, as good at another. So that was when I realized that comparing yourself, especially to people like that you work with, is really counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. So those are my only words of wisdom for the day. <laughs> you know, I, I think you really said it well on there. I dropped some of those links, by the way, into our show notes. We'd love to have friends of the podcast out there and always sharing that reach. With imposter syndrome, I think you're right. You know, it is a lot of times about our, ourselves comparing to others. But then I was also thinking about, we happen to be, I work for Microsoft, uh, at review time, effectively. Uh, the end of the year stops and starts on July 1st for us. And so we just went through this cycle. And you can't help, even though we're often told in companies with reviews, that you're not being compared against others. You can't help but being felt like you're being compared against others as you go through You're this. like, yeah, you, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think Microsoft actually has a pretty good review process. I've been through some awful ones in my career. In fact, one of the worst ones was at Microsoft 12 years ago when I was here the first time. Um, that was like a stack ranking thing. And that was just Ooh, no, bad. talk about like. feeling awful about yourself, no matter where you land. Oof. But I think that's part of the, the, the culture in technology, unfortunately, is this, you know, we mentioned a new shiny object. Ooh, have you heard about Veet? Yeah. What's Veet? Oh, it's the new thing inside of Vue and SeltKit. And if you haven't heard the word, it's like this instant I don't know, inside, I'm like, should I ask a question about it? Oh, no, I'm going to show that I don't know anything. And, you know, what if they're all like, oh, gosh, well, how does, how does John not know about this new thing that's out there? And how terrible is he? And I, I think it's oh, yeah, real. No, I definitely feel that on the podcast. Like when, when I'm like, oh, what's this week's topic? I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that is. Uh oh. Um, but uh, honestly, I find that, yeah, exposing yourself to things like podcasts is actually a really good way to get that breadth of knowledge that you need so that when you need the depth, you know where to look. But yeah, no one can know everything. Like, it's too much. <laughs> I've never felt like a technology imposter ever. And I think I, I was listening to you guys and I, and I think I know why. Because I've never thought that our job was to know anything in particular. Our job is to be, and we're good if we can learn. And you're an imposter if you were in a, in a domain in which you cannot learn. So like I would be an imposter in mathematics because I have very limited ability to learn anything there. I just don't, I don't know how to swim in that world. Uh, it would take a long time for me to be at a point where anybody could expose me to any mathematical concept I don't know, and I could pick it up. But in, in software, as you live in this world a little bit, spend some time here, um, you start to realize that nobody knows anything. Uh, <laughs> you, but but what we have, we have, what we have is the, and, I, and I'm wondering, so now I'm going to ask you, I mean, is your confidence level pretty good that, throw, you know, somebody throws some new view thing that you've never seen before? Like, what's your reaction? Uh, I mean, not, yeah. not, you know, it's not in the sense of I'm going to test you on your knowledge of it, but, but like, okay, here's this new frou-frou thing. Uh, and frou-frou is just like, somebody says, you know, you got to use frou-frou and you say, I don't know <laughs> jack about frou-frou. <laughs> uh, what do you, what's your, what's your thought? 
Uh, my initial thought is always panic because this happens like almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> oh, there's some new view topic. Uh-oh. Um, but I find that, yes, I can very quickly um, formulate the questions that I need answered in order for me to understand it, which fortunately, uh, since I do host a podcast, like that's as far as I need to go. <laughs> But that I just need to know imposter. what to ask the guest. Yeah, no, that's true. But yeah, See, and also I think an part of imposter syndrome is is that it is a fallacy <laughs> is that we're not really imposters, right? Exactly, it's true. And just so everybody's well, but, clear, I just put a link into Fru Fru. It turns out Fru Fru is actually a British electronic duo. So <laughs> oh, I learned something uh, today. This could be my next library name, John Fru Fru. <laughs> Um, I, no, I, but I think it's so key to getting yourself centered again, that you are not an imposter in this field because you know how to learn. You, you would be an imposter if you didn't know how to go anywhere. And believe me, there are plenty of those. You see them on resume, people who, have, who build these resumes where they just do word salad, you know, and they've never actually programmed anything. And then you ask them any question and they're completely lost and wouldn't know where to go. That's an imposter. Yeah. But, you know, don't know frou-frou? Hey, so what? Who does? I'm going to find out, right? And then yeah. you're going to be the frou-frou expert. I don't know about expert, but... Well, and for me, the the big part of that, and Ari, you mentioned this, is, you know, you said I panic at first. And I think I get that too. I literally get a feeling of, I would describe mine as almost like a sinking feeling in the stomach, kind of a feeling yeah. of dread. And now, like in my younger years, that could lead to a couple days of being pretty dang anxious. Now in my starting to get hopefully a little more wiser, um, now I sit back and I go, okay, you feel this. It's all right. Guess what? You've done this like a thousand times before and you've been fine. Um, exactly. And I think that's the big difference is the ability to recognize that this is normal. I always feel this way. And then you just jump on in and say, it's fine though. I'm moving on. So, so Ari, let's let's move over to the view topic itself as well. Uh, I'm really curious to feel like to understand what you what you do with view at work and kind of the challenges that you have. And uh, I teach view in a lot of classes, and I've never written a view app in production, so I'll put it right out there. Uh, <gasps> I have only so done fascinating. Yeah, it's um, it's something that uh, I've written a lot of Angular in production and even Svelte in production now. Uh, and even some React, Dan and I have done. But I have not done view in production yet just because the opportunity hasn't come. So I'm kind of curious how you feel about view in production. And, you know, tell us, tell us what people need to know. Uh, so I've, I've worked on two different view apps in production. Um, though in both cases, the user base was very small, <laughs> which is helpful. <laughs> A lot less pressure. Um, I personally, I absolutely love working with you. I find that the mental model is just really easy to reason about. Um, I find a lot of the uh, auto magic things about it just really helpful. Um, as previous to working um, with you, I was working with Polymer, which, as it turns out, heavily inspired you. But Polymer. <laughs> Got so many things wrong. Tell us how you um, feel, Ari. Oh God, I I hated Polymer. <laughs> I really did. Um, like especially things like computed properties in Polymer were just so hard to work with that you ended up using watchers for most things. And as it turns out, you have very little control if you have multiple watchers firing on the same thing. So if you have inter interdependent data. Um, I cannot tell you how many bugs I had to write off as because polymer, because you would end up with race conditions. Uh, whereas with view computed properties, if you have interdependent data, it just somehow magically knows how to handle all of it and things end up the way that they're supposed to be. And I love that because I don't like having to think about that. I'm like, okay, these two values will um, have an influence on this other value, um, and it just handles that for me. Um, and for those out there who haven't used Polymer, th this is, we're referring to the, the Web Components Framework by Google that came out many years ago. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I just went to their. Predecessor to Lit Elements is, I think. 
Yeah, I just went to their webpage and it says Lit is uh, is now the official um, yeah. next step for those doing Polymer. And I've done. Yeah, I'm lit, hoping that Lit is better. Lit I've HTML. heard much better things about it. So, yeah. <laughs> is that Lit as in drunk? Yeah, yeah exactly obviously. That's exactly drunk what elements. they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> So Man, I'm really lit on this program. I What's am interesting lit about on this that code. Is we did a talk um, about a year ago. We did a topic in the podcast about lit elements, where I, I used that as part of a project in lit HTML. Uh, and it looks like lit element is also now replaced by lit dev, as is lit HTML. So it looks like Polymer, lit element, and lit HTML are all now part of lit. Okay. Which again See, is one was, of those imposter syndrome things. I was even one things. behind, so. I'm like... <laughs> I didn't know this whole change happened, so I'm already yeah, behind the, in the world. See, you can't ever know everything, but we learned. We learned. <laughs> <laughs> and I know where to go to, to find it. That's the key, you know? So when you use Vue for your production apps, um, and you don't have to talk about specific company things that you're doing, obviously, but when you're when you're using Vue for production, do you do, I'm curious about the, the router and the bundles and the lazy loading. Um, how do you design your stuff to, to, to scale or is some of that just over engineering or what do you think? I do think some of it is over engineering. I will not lie. Um, cause of course we all like to have shiny new tools to play with. And so, you know, inevitably someone's going to make shiny new tools for us to play with regardless of their actual utility. Um, but, uh, so the first production app I worked on for most of it, I was the only developer on it, and I was not, you know, super experienced. So I would say I regret some of the choices I made. Uh, fortunately, they're not my problem anymore. It's someone else's problem. <laughs> but I did. I, <laughs> I did live with it long enough to feel the pain of my mistakes. Um, we might have a listener but, out there who's taking over that project, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate that company, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go for uh, it. They know. They know I hate them. It's fine. Um, but uh, now I do I do use the lazy loading feature um, in the router um, and do named bundles for like on a feature basis. So I don't know that it makes a huge difference because to be honest, I don't see a huge performance difference because at the end of the day, if you're interacting with an API, you're still going to have latency there. So, so when you're working on view projects these days, one of the more controversial things I've heard about in the last year or so is the original options API, which to me which was one of the great ways, great things about view, which made it easy to use, felt a lot like angular JS days, uh, in yeah. some ways and super yeah. easy to teach. I mean, when I teach view, yeah. people so get that in minutes and then there's the composition API, which has a lot of great features and functionality, but. Uh, and I'm going to give you my perspective quickly on this is I feel like sometimes it's like, you know, do we really need all that? Are, what are we giving up to get that additional functionality? Um, how do you feel uh, about it all? Oh, yeah. No, I, I I think I probably feel pretty similarly in that, yes, it does provide value. But in very specific cases, I will continue to use the options API probably 99% of the time. Um. The 1% of time that I will most likely use the Composition API will be in scenarios where I would have otherwise used a mix-in or something like that. You know, because there are those times where you do um, at least want to be able to extract a, a particular bit of logic uh, to be reusable across different components. Uh, and it, so it is nice to have a very declarative way to do that now. But for the most part, I'm going to continue to use what is going to be easiest for the next person to pick up on, um, especially if that next person is a junior, because I firmly believe that readable code is always better than clever code. Oh, I'm with you. Somebody's got to maintain this crap. That's what I always say. Yeah. And I mean, so. I... Don't remember what I did last week. So uh, if it's more readable for me, that's good too. Because past me and current me are not always on the same page. I'll tell you the one thing I really do like about, I, I go back and forth. See, I want to love Composition API. And there's a couple of reasons why I want to. And part of that is I like the idea behind it of where 
a lot of the logic in a lot of my view apps that I've written, I feel like because I'm separating properties and methods and watchers and things around that it's kind of jumping around the file to follow things I'm doing. And the composition API lets you put those collective things together in, in functions, which I do yeah. like, but I also feel like a lot of the, um, the rep by the references and, and all the things you're doing in there, the concept, you know, the wrapping and the unwrapping and people say, well, you don't have to know that. No, you do because there's certain places that unwraps for you and certain places it doesn't. And it's also, you got to learn the term. What, what does wrapping even mean? And I'm not trying to overload the context here, but it gets <laughs> me because I want that problem to be solved. But I felt like we went too far on the side of now we made what was really great about Vue, which was how easy it was to get in that much harder. <sighs> yeah. I, yeah, that's why I will always favor the options API because I do the thing I, one of the things I love about Vue is it's low barrier to entry. And I don't want to take yeah. that away from people who come into my code base after me. Um, so yes, I am, I am actually willing to sacrifice some bells and whistles um, to make it easier to understand what my code is doing. But yes, there are times where making it easier to understand what my code is doing does mean splitting it out because things got bloated over time. And <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But for the most part, I do. I, yeah, I will always favor uh, the ease of view over the composition API. Simplicity is an art, in my opinion. It really is. It's a skill um, yeah. to be able to write simple code. Uh, and, and you can't always do it. There are complex scenarios, obviously, but there are many cases where keeping it simple just rules the day. Yeah. No, and I think that's something that comes with time because at first you just want to write clever code, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look how <laughs> clever I am. Yeah. But then once you know you're clever, you're like, nah, I'm over it. <laughs> I want to make sure folks know that the options API is still available in Vue 3. Yes. Uh, so I just, I don't want to misplace what we're saying here. You can use the composition API, but you can still use the options API, everybody. Yeah, that was the whole thing uh, when people thought the options API was going away. And people were very angry and honestly, rightfully so, if that was what they thought. However, that was never the case. So you still have the option to use the options API. <laughs> you know, that's the danger. Is it okay and pretty easy to have both and sort of switch between them? And I, this is kind of a loaded question because in the React world, there was this hooks versus classes thing. And pretty much if you talk to anybody now, it's like if you write with classes, you're a bad programmer and we're not, we're going to get erase all of that and you've got to only write with hooks. And so what I'm wondering is if there's that same dynamic or tension in view. I think that there will probably be uh, two camps of people that will exist in the view community. I think there will be people like me. And I think that there will be people who just want to use the composition API for everything. Um, and I think that part of that is just that there's uh, different people in the world with different priorities. But no, I would have a lot of people I've talked to. Um, especially a lot of let's call them view influencers, which is such a stupid term, but we're going to go with it anyway. Uh, uh, still firmly believe in the value of the options API. So I, I don't think it's going anywhere. And if it starts to go anywhere, I, uh, I'm just going to dedicate my life to making sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think you're right. And there's, there's a time and place for all these things. I think it was a really good move by the view, by view creators and the core group to create the composition API. I don't have a problem with that. And it was an even better move to make it clear that both are still available for people. This is a place where going through the Angular JS to Angular, I feel like there's a similarity there of it was basically cold turkey. You're switching from one thing to another. And whether the reasons are always good, right? People have good intent. But switching from the one to the other, the leap that you had to make from Angular JS as far as the learning skills went from very easy to slide in. I mean, I think, Dan, you had over a million views on your Angular in 60 Minutes YouTube video <laughs> in like a year. Uh, it was in an hour, Dan's like, I can teach you AngularJS. And it was true. 
And then with Angular, uh, when version two came out, now you've got to know uh, Webpack or System.js. You've got to know TypeScripts and build systems, and you need to know decorators. And none of these things are hard on their own in a vacuum. But when you put it all into place and you're like trying to teach somebody how to do a language, I think, I think it becomes more complicated than we sometimes think. The mountain is, it almost feels insurmountable when you first start. Whereas like Vue, it, going back to Ari, what you said, it, well, it, it reminded me a lot of AngularJS. I mean, it, it's the better parts of it, I think. But uh, it was very easy to pick up, uh, especially the options API. Composition, the whole proxy thing can throw people off. I, I actually like it, but I've hit some weird edge cases with proxies. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, especially if you have to hire people, and Ari, I don't know that your front-end team of you right now is going to expand, but if it did, you know, you have to be able to find people that are good at that skill. And um, when you have a technology that's a lot more complex, it's just harder to find you know, solid people in that area. Whereas I feel, I would feel confident hiring someone who had no Vue experience to work in my code base, because I think that Vue is that easy to pick up. Yeah. Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full stack apps in a shared mono repo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. Yeah, one of the cool things about Vue is you can actually still use it without a build step. Uh, there's still the ability to just drop a script tag in the page. And I think for very simple apps, I, I would still recommend that. And I've worked on some apps where um, there'd be an existing PHP site. Like we still have these apps out there that aren't fully re redone. Uh, nothing wrong with PHP. And all they wanted to do is add this one little island of interactivity. And to be able to, in the past, they used to use AngularJS to drop it in. And they don't really want a build system to add it. So they were looking for something simple and I recommended using Vue.js with the script tag because they just needed like five fields to change based on marketing information. And it was like a marketing area on a site. Um, so I, I really, really applaud Vue for sticking with that. You can still just drop a script tag in a page. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. Ari, what's your favorite thing about Vue? Like, why do you use Vue? Uh, the docs. Like, in all honesty, because I'm somebody who uh, I don't remember things often, uh, but I have vague memories of things, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I know approximately where that is in the docs. I'm just going to. OK, there it is. Um, but no, the way that the docs are organized, um, it just makes sense because it very much takes you on this journey. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And so having just really high quality docs makes my life so much easier. Um, whereas, yeah, when I don't have great docs, I get really lost and angry and I don't like being angry. So I just <laughs> went through something right now with a particular, I won't name the technology, but there were zero docs on what I need to do. Oh, and no. I fought it and fought it and fought it. And then I found a bug to top it off. Oh, and nice. I'm just that's, like, that's oh my gosh. So, you know, you, you literally think you're going crazy because you have no docs to refer to. You can't get it to work. And you're just like, is it, am I just an idiot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it turns out in this case, I, I wasn't, thankfully. It made me feel a little better. You, you kind of described my brain when you said, like, you kind of know where to go in the docs. Like, you don't yeah. remember it, but you know where to go. And that's that's pretty much me. Yeah, the view docs are pretty amazing. I, I, I have to admit, I, I end up going back to our law. And honestly, I've read them from top to bottom more than once, too, just yeah, trying same. to learn. <laughs> you know, now I Google what I want. I find the doc page. Like I was just looking for, where's that section that shows you how to drop the script tag so I could put in the show notes. But I admit, when View 2 first came out, now View 3, I remember going through every single section in the View docs yep. to read it. Uh, and I... It's one of the best doc systems out there for any environments. Uh, them and Stripe are like my two gold standards for me. Yeah, to be honest, like that was 
just that was how I learned Vue. I was just reading the docs. Like I didn't do any courses and yeah, I was able to set up a production app just by reading the docs, which like that's a huge testament to the quality. I was gonna say that's a glowing yeah. testament. Yeah. <laughs> to how good the docs are. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Nice work on that. So Ari, I wanna thank you for coming on the show today to talk to us about Vue and career and to really just dive into some of these topics. Um, at the end of our show, we like to leave our audience with a final thought. Dan, I'm going to start with you today. What is your final thought for the audience? You know, I'm going to go back to, uh, you mentioned side projects, Ari, and um, lack of them in your case, which I absolutely applaud. Um, Over my career, I have had so many side projects going nonstop. John knows these stories because he's done the same thing. But to the point where you're like, great, I'm doing well financially, but why? I can't even enjoy life. I can't even go spend or whatever because I have so much going on. So I think the final thought I'm going to leave, and and this is a pretty debatable thing I've seen online, is I have done 20 plus years of the massive amount of hours, um, whether it's consulting or some other stuff I did with companies. And now in uh, reflection, I guess, of my career, I wish I wouldn't have done so much of that. Um, I wish I would have just enjoyed life a little bit more along the way, because I'll tell you, if you're 20 something right now, before you know it, I'm telling you, you're going to be 40 or whatever. um, And you're going to look back like me and go, whoa, where'd all that go? So anyway, that's my final thought is enjoy the time. That's a really good point, Dan. And uh, I definitely have been along this journey with you and we've been friends for many years and I admit that you are much more, I think, apt to enjoy the side projects than I am over the years. Uh, I have shifted, as you know, in the last year or two to saying no a lot, (laughs) even to Dan uh, at times. And it's hard because (laughs) you want to do these things. Dan will have this fantastic idea and I'm thinking, this is great. And I get to do it with my friend Dan and all this great stuff I'm going to learn. And whether there's money involved in it or not, meaning creating something cool uh, that we can sell or something that we just learn from. Either way, I've been thinking more and more about, you know, my kids are getting older. Um, I want to spend time. I have friends who have died way too young. And just all this stuff in life is coming into perspective. I'm like, you know, I don't need to do that. And maybe, maybe my career won't be elevated because of it, or maybe something else won't happen. Um, and I feel privileged to be able to say no at times. Um, and I'm not, I'm sure not everybody's in that state. Uh, I am, and I'm very blessed to be there. Uh, for my final thought today, I, I just want to say, I really appreciate that. We've had a lot of guests in the show who have opened up to us about the real type of development that they're, they're building on uh, folks like Ari. And I want to thank all of you out there, listeners who've come onto our show to share your stories. And for those who are thinking about it, please come on as well. It's something we really enjoy is hearing from everybody and all the different perspectives. Uh, recently, we had on some folks from different areas of the world as well. We've been trying to go around the world and, and do the podcast, which of course creates scheduling challenges for times of the day, uh, but we get through it. But I think it's really beneficial for everybody to hear these different stories because it's what's true for me and for Dan or our co-hosts is not always true for everybody out there. And I feel like there's just a lot of value in sharing stories with everybody. So thank you all for coming on. Or if you're considering so, please reach out to us. Ari, what is your final thought for the audience today? Uh, my final thought is uh, one way I recently discovered to combat that feeling of imposter syndrome uh, was actually becoming a mentor for... Um, they call it a boot camp, but Front End Foxes has uh, what they call a boot camp, which is um, just two nights a week. Uh, being able to mentor people who are coming in just uh, at, at honestly pretty varying degrees of experience with front end development, being able to impart some of my experience, you know, for better or worse, uh, share my failures with them, my successes uh, has been a really wonderful experience. And Front End Foxes is just a wonderful organization in general. And in September, they will be starting their next cohort and they will need quality mentors. So uh, I highly recommend uh, checking that out. That's awesome. And I dropped the link into there. Is this the same 
Uh, is Frightened Foxes a rename? It is the new incarnation of You Vixens. <laughs> okay. Just making sure because it looked the same to me. Yes. <laughs> um, and I only know it as You Vixens because I remember uh, Jen Looper, who's a colleague of mine at work, uh, has, I think she still has a hand in, in this organization. Yes. No, she is still very much running it. But yes, it became Fun and Foxes to be able to branch out to include more than just uh, View. So now okay, there's good. also React workshops. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I'll give you um, just a little more on that. Is my daughter, I think I've mentioned in the past, my daughter Madeline uh, joined one of these uh, free boot camps when she was, I think she was 18 at the time. She was about to go into college and she wanted to see if she wanted to get into software development. So I encouraged her to go to, I think, the same event that you and I were at, Ari. Yes, over in I was I was there. I didn't say hi because I was too nervous. We didn't know each other at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was really great because they were very welcoming to Madeline and they let her learn her own pace. And she had never really done more than just um, uh, like the learn to code type stuff or the day of code on the Internet. And it was a good chance for her to find out, do I like this? Uh, is this for me? And I just loved how welcoming they were for her to be brand new to it all. So yes, highly recommend um, it. They're a good cause. Community. Yeah. I should specify that it is for um, women only. It's to provide a safe space uh, to people who don't often feel safe in tech. Yes. And to be clear, I don't identify as a woman, but I was there to support my daughter in the background. So we allow um, mentors <laughs> of, of all stripes. So yes. <laughs> Uh, but it was really great. I just had a great experience with it. So I know I still uh, love to talk about that particular program. And I believe they have, uh, they're always looking for sponsorships. So that's one of those good programs that yeah. if you're ever looking to sponsor good programs, absolutely recommend that. And I'll drop a link into the show notes. All right. Thank you so much again for coming on and for bearing with us all uh, as co-hosts with our terrible humor, but uh, sharing all of your great stories about view and career. Well, thank you for having me. I I appreciated the invite. <laughs> yeah. And for everybody out there, can you just remind folks of where to find your podcast uh, so they can listen to you as well? Yeah. Uh, you can find us uh, at enjoytheview.io. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at enjoytheviewcast. Uh, we're available on, uh, I think, every major podcasting app. So, yeah, enjoy the view. And at the end, we always say until next week, enjoy the view. <laughs> so we don't have anything quite that good as a saying at the end enjoy the now rush you have something to aspire to <laughs> <laughs> true i don't know if i want to say enjoy the rush but thank you all for listening to us for yet another week and thank you to our sponsors for keeping us on the air and of course for all of you out there who listen to us each week and for over two years we so appreciate you you'll hear from us every week hear from us next time thursday see you